0: Welcome to Talkin' Truth with comedian Dan Whitney, AKA Larry the Cable Guy and Pastor Brian Clark. Today, special guest Jeff Foxworthy joins them. That's the complicated message of Jesus. It's real complicated. He said, follow me. It's like the easiest directions of all time. <laughs> Absolutely, and that's it. They'll be talkin' truth about the Bible and life and having a little fun. Get her done. Now, here's Dan.
1: Hey, this is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Welcome to our awesome podcast, Talking Truth, with me and my lovely sidekick, Brian Clark. Oh, I'm lovely You're today. lovely today, Brian, with that fantastic shirt on. Right. It's a blue with checks. You know, I like to describe, like, the baseball, and what you're wearing, what you're dressed out really? in. Really? White t-shirt with uh-huh. a kind of a light blue. Really handsome? Very handsome. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. So anyway, talking about Jacob, the title is that Jacob finally surrenders. This is Genesis 32. And to wrap it all up, he's been with us for the last couple of podcasts. My good buddy, Mr. Jeff, you might be a redneck, Foxworthy, who is awesome. He's a great believer, uh, one of my best friends in the whole world. And I love having him as a guest because he puts so much great input into what we're doing. The more he does, the less I got (laughs) to throw something in that is so stupid.
0: The the truth will finally come
1: out. We're just three guys hanging out, telling a story, and we want you to get something out of it. I'm learning just like everybody else, just like Jeff. We just want to get closer to, to Jesus. So we're, we're doing our best here. We're trying to make it fun, make it entertaining. The worst part is Brian reading this text. But once we're done with that, <laughs> I'm only kidding. We have to do the te- The text is awesome. This is a good study here today. Jacob
2: finally surrenders. All right, here we go. Years ago, there was a cop show on television where the bumbling cop would get himself into a mess, then he'd look at someone and say, trust me, I know what I'm doing. Of course he didn't. Trust is earned over time. To be trusted, we must show a track record of being trustworthy. If we demonstrate a track record of irresponsibility, people won't trust us. Certainly the same should be true with God. If he has a long track record of faithfulness, I mean, why can't we trust him? Sure, sometimes we feel let down by God because we wanted God to do something, and he didn't do it. But that doesn't mean God was unfaithful. I mean, you can't hold God to promises he didn't make, but he will certainly be faithful to what he has promised. Jacob is slowly learning this. His faith has often been overshadowed by his fear. Fear is often the cause of bad decisions. But in our last episode, it seemed like Jacob had turned a corner and was ready to trust God, right? For 20 years, Jacob struggled with Laban, but God had been faithful to bless him, and he knew it. Now he was headed home. As he entered into his homeland, he was greeted by an army of angels to remind him that God was with him. Because Jacob had his hands full with Laban, I'm going to say it's unlikely he had given a lot of thought to his angry brother Esau. I mean, last he knew, Esau wanted to kill him. So Jacob sent a delegation to tell Esau that he was coming back and he didn't need anything from Esau. Whatever the inheritance was, he didn't need it. He had plenty. The messengers returned to tell Jacob that Esau was coming to meet him with 400 men. Once again, Jacob panicked. For 20 years, God had shown himself faithful to Jacob. He even revealed to Jacob an angel army to reassure him. But now, in this moment with Esau, Once again, he doubted God. So Jacob prayed. It's worth noting that this is the first time we are ever told that Jacob prayed. Jacob reminded God of all the promises he had made to Jacob to protect him and to bless him. God, you promised. But then Jacob sent waves of gifts to Esau, hoping to appease his angry brother. In other words, once again, Jacob was scheming to try and manipulate his way out of the mess. He prayed like he trusted God, but his actions revealed otherwise. Twenty years earlier, Jacob was fleeing from his brother when God met him in a vision, showing him the ladder from earth to heaven, promising to take care of Jacob. Now, here we are 20 years later. God has been faithful to Jacob just like he promised, but Jacob was still struggling. So God met him in the night again. This time, Jacob wrestled with an angel that he believed to be God himself. All his life, Jacob had wrestled with God for control. His life had been dominated by fear and an unwillingness to really trust God. Now he is determined to wrestle with God and win. But Jacob can't win. He's not God. He needed to learn to surrender once and for all. So God touched his hip and dislocated it. Jacob was disabled. The sun was coming up. And Esau was coming after him with 400 men. Jacob had no choice but to surrender to God. He was helpless. He had to give up. All his life, Jacob had been a schemer to get his way. Now, his only option was to trust God. This is what God wanted. God wasn't doing this to punish Jacob. Actually, just the opposite. God wanted to bless Jacob. But for that to happen, Jacob had to surrender and trust God. In the words of Jesus in the New Testament, he had to lay down his life to find it. He had to die to live. This is surrender. He had to learn to trust God. God marked this life-changing event for Jacob by changing his name. The name Jacob meant schemer or deceiver, which is what Jacob was. But God changed his name to Israel, which meant God prevailed. God won. And because of that, Jacob would win. He had to surrender to God to ultimately prevail. So let's be honest here. Who's running your life? Is it you or is it God? I mean, do you trust him or are you more likely to scheme or to manipulate or deceive to get your way? Are you more controlled most days by faith or by fear? So here's the question of the day. What would it take for you to surrender control to God? I mean, his track record is clear. There's no problem with God's faithfulness. So what is it that you do so much better than God that causes you to hang on to control? In the words of Jesus, you have to die to live. You have to give up your life to find it. You've tried it your way. Why not surrender to God and try life His way? So let's bring in Dan and Jeff. Let's talk about this. Guys, why does it seem like it's so hard for most of us to surrender to God and let go of control? Huh. You know, I, I think one of
0: the uh, one of the biggest lessons in the scriptures and that God tries to teach us is to lean not on your own understanding. And I think as human beings we think we can figure things out. We know the right thing to do, but we're bound by perspective, by location, and we're bound by time as we can't see down the road. God is bound by neither one of those things. And so, you know, again, to be wise— if he's not bound by time and he knows what's going to happen and he's not bound by just being in this one place if he sees everything then why would i not trust his understanding why would i lean on my own understanding as well you know and and i think as you were reading that brian i was thinking about you know the the biggest lesson in life is and and i'm i'm a very visual person but i but it's let go. And I physically, when I think of that, I I have a closed fist and I just slowly open it. I'm like, let go, let go of control of everything. You know, a guy said to me one time, he said, imagine you're holding a coffee cup. And he said, trust, trust is built up a drop at a time. And it takes a long time to fill that cup up with trust, but trust is lost all at once once. You know, and and we know that from our human experiences, you know, you can build up trust with somebody, but they can break that trust, and it's gone. And so, it, it, you know, I was thinking about that as I'm listening to this about Jacob. Of It's like, man, God has built this thing up drop after drop, year after year, decade after decade, and yet... Jacob still doesn't trust. It's, he's, he's still thinking. He's still leaning on his own understanding. Well, my brother's going to be mad, and this is what's going to happen. And you know, and God's like, "Are you kidding me? Look at all the trust I've built up over my lifetime with you." You know, that's something I have to remind myself of all the time. It's like, man, you've had your hand on on me since I was born, and. I'm going to to let go. I'm going to open that hand and lean not on my own understanding, but trust you in all my ways.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, you know, right. It's just, you know, especially for if you're a new believer and you want to learn. And I mean, it's, it's tough to do. Um, and that's, I think this ties in with the sanctification process. It's like Jeff has learned to just let go and to trust, but that came through time. And I think it's cool that we have these stories like Jacob to let us know we're not the only ones that struggle with trust. Yeah. And it lets us know that, hey, God's got us. And if you're having trouble with it, just remember, so did Jacob. And yeah. in the end, through all this time, he did learn to do it, and I loved him just as much. So that's such a good story to let us know that it's hard to trust, but that's how much God loves us. He's still, hey, man, look at Jacob. I got you. Just stay with me. Just (laughs) stay with me, you know, and I just feel like the more that you spend time with him, Uh, the more that you get sanctified and the more that you begin to trust. But if you think you're not going to struggle, we're human beings. Like Jeff said, he's very visual. A lot of us are. It's hard for us to do. All of these stories are to give us examples of how to live our lives and what's best for us. And God's just trying to tell us that. He, He doesn't want us to have to have a bad hip to figure it out, if you could figure it out before the bad hip or the car accident that has to kick you in gear, it'd be nice. And these are examples to let you know, hey, but I'm with Jeff, you know, it, it is hard to do. Uh, we're very visual human beings, but the more that you spend time with Jesus, the, the more you get sanctified and the easier it is to let go of, You're not in charge of anything.
2: So speaking of Jacob's hip, so one of the interesting (laughs) parts of this story is you do see God beginning to take away things that Jacob depends upon in order to bring him to a point of surrender. So one way to interpret that as Christians would be God's mean, he's mad at me, he's allowing these things to happen in my life, or he's taking these things away but maybe another way to look at that is God is slowly trying to bring us to a point of surrender, so we'll trust Him, so He can bless us. That's what God was doing with Jacob. I mean, it's kind of, it's you know kind
0: of like a parent telling the little kid, "Don't play in the ant pile," you know. And you can tell them and tell them and tell them because it's for their own good. But they're probably going to come a point if they ignore you that you're like, "Okay, let all these ants bite you." And see how that feels. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and I think Dan is 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 right. The reason that this story is in the scriptures is it's almost a comfort to going. Hey, it's not just you going through this. This is three thousand years ago, and the human condition was exactly the same. Technology wasn't the same, but the human condition was the same. Yep. Uh, you know, I find comfort in that. I find comfort in the fact that. Jacob struggled, and David struggled, and Paul struggled. Absolutely. Is is I'm like, okay, you know, the disciples. I mean, they had they had walked with Jesus. They had seen the miracles. They had listened to the teaching. And the first moment that trouble arises and he seized, what do they do? They scatter. Well, that's comforting to me (laughs) to to go, and you know. I haven't had the joy of walking and talking with him physically for three years, and you guys did, and you still ran. So, yeah, I mean, it's just it's the fallen condition of man. and absolutely but, but the but the encouraging thing is 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 almost like with the hip dislocation is God's like, look, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to wrestle this control away from you. And to have this intimate relationship with you. And, you know, if you think about the human condition, what do we all want? We all want to be loved. Every one of us wants to be loved. And we all want to be significant. And to me, that is the message of the cross, is Jesus in in, in laying down his life and, and just assuming our sins when at any moment he he could have called out and, and stopped it. But what he was saying is, you're not just significant. You're significant enough that I will take on all your sins, that I will let them spit on me, that I will let them put nails in my hands. You're, you're not worth something to me. You're worth everything to me. And it's the human condition. That's what we want. We want to be loved like that. And we try to find it so many different places. And to me, that's the, the point of this story. Is, Absolutely. Is God going, yeah, everything you crave, I offer. <laughs> everything yeah. as a human being you crave, I'm offering it to you. Absolutely.
1: And just right, man, I I love these stories because they give you hope. They're yeah. hopeful stories. People always say, "Ah, the New Testament, uh, the Old Testament's the Old Testament, the New Testament." No, the Old Testament is full of hope. Plus, it tells you about Jesus coming in the New Testament. But I well, mean- and
0: I think you know, people tend to view the Old Testament that the God of the Old Testament is a different God of the New Testament. And once you kind of start studying it and breaking down its stories, it, it's not. He's, you know, and, and Brian had made that point in a previous episode. He's not the mean God in the Old Testament and the nice God in the New Testament. He's the infinitely patient, infinitely loving God in both of them. Absolutely. And, so, just,
1: and just the fact that Jeff was right, when you think about the guys that walked with Jesus, they walked and talked and saw the miracles, and they still were like, I don't know. You know what I mean? It it just gives you, when you're thinking that you're faithless and you're like, can't depend, I mean, just think of those guys. I mean, they actually walked and talked with him, you know. I was with with
0: Foghat one time, and I actually was with three guys that looked like Jesus, but they weren't. (laughs) And, And here's the thing about those guys, you know, and this would always be my argument for the resurrection, was even though they scattered when he was seized, After he resurrected, they saw and heard something so mind-blowing that these fearful guys that had scattered were willing to die horrible deaths for him after that. Right. Something so powerful. Something changed between that first—and to me, that's what the resurrection was. It was like, hey, the thing we feared was death. The, th- the you know the thing we all fear is dying, and he defeated death. <laughs> yeah. So it's amazing. What are we scared of? This is this is going to be who we follow, and that's you know that's the complicated message of Jesus. It's real complicated. He said, "Follow me." It's like the easiest directions of all time. <laughs>
2: Absolutely, and that's it. So, which by the way, Jeff is a really powerful argument for the resurrection, because historically, there's no way to deny it. We know what you said is historically true. So as we wrap this up, for both of you, just to get personal a little bit, can you think of a specific experience you went through that really affected your decision to surrender to Christ? Like, our listeners— are wrestling with whether or not they want to surrender, whether Jesus is the answer. Can you think of something like your Jacob moment? Was there something specific you went through that moved you more towards a point of surrender?
0: Go ahead, Jeff. You got one? Yeah, you know, I mean, I came to faith at a very early age, at at seven, but I think it was probably around my late 30s or 40s when, you know, I had been swept up in this world of the thing I pursued. I I love doing stand-up. I love making people laugh. And I remember uh, talking to, to a guy I had just met, and he said, okay, you've achieved fame, you've achieved wealth. What is it that you crave more than anything else? And I said, just peace, hope and peace. That's in, you know, and he's like, well, you know, that peace that you're looking for, you actually discovered it at the age of seven. You're just not going to find it in the things of the world. And, you know, I'm like, oh, you're right. You're absolutely, and, and, and probably part of it, you know, being an entertainer, you you live in a world where people's approval affects your income if if people approve and they like you then they buy your records or they buy your books or they watch your show or whatever else and I think for me there was one verse Brian and it's Galatians 1 where it said am I now seeking the approval of man or of God that's how it began and I went holy moly that's powerful you know meaning if I'm if I'm seeking the approval of man that's always going to fail at some point, as we discussed earlier with fame. But if I live my life in a way that God approves of how I'm living, then what does it really matter what anybody else says about it? You know, that was kind of that Jacob moment for me where I went, you know what, you're right. i am I let go. I'm trusting you with this. And if it means nobody wants to see me do stand-up anymore, so be it. If it means nobody wants to... Watch my show or buy my book or whatever. So be it. I don't care. I got to tell you, it was enormously freeing to get to the point where you go, all right, I'm just, I'm going to seek the approval of one instead of the approval of everybody. That's so good. Well, wow, that's powerful. Absolutely. I, you know, well,
1: Brian, I'm kind of the same, same thing. You know, I just, just wasn't happy. I, you know, I mean, I had a great family and just inside I wasn't happy. And I just, man, I just, one day I just bowed down and said, man, I have been living a godless life and it's killing me because I knew I was doing wrong. And I just rededicated my life and got back into the word and, and s- same as Jeff, you know, I, it's like this podcast, I want to do this podcast. And then in, inside of me, it's like, oh, you start doing that. You gonna start losing, uh, nobody's going to come to your shows because now you, I don't care. that's the thing I don't care you know it's like when I had Jim Brewer on the show you know I started writing forwards to my wife's books not knowing any you know I just wanted to write them and Jim Brewer who we had on the show who was awesome he said man I read your forward that's what I want to do you know we've been making people laugh and making them happy for the night but You know what, that's what I want to do. I want to start making them eternally happy and eternally hopeful. He goes, That was so cool reading because I'm now there's other people out there. And it made me realize there's other people that are searching, that are waiting for other people to step up and go, you know what? I'm doing this. And yeah, I just that was it. I just kinda changed my life and Started the sanctification process. And it's like Jeff says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I don't need human approval. I don't need man's approval. I just want God to be
2: happy with me.
1: And so there you go.
2: That's it. So we encourage our people that are listening that uh, whatever you're seeking, at the end of the day, Jesus is the answer and by faith to take that step.
1: I'm still funny, though. Still hilarious. So is Jeff. i <laughs> so not don't take, don't take that away. We're still funny. We just love Jesus, but we're funny.
0: Thanks for listening to Talking Truth. Dan and Brian will be back next week with their guest, Pastor Nat Crawford. And here's a quick reminder to check out Brian's book, Unwavering Faith. This encouraging read follows the life of Jacob and helps you see what it means to live by faith, not by fear. Get your copy of Unwavering Faith at talkintruth.com. That's talk, the letter N, truth.com.